Super excited. Um, like, I miss sushi so yeah. much. It's been a long time coming. The tide is turning. We tired of running. We rising up. It's been a long time coming. They plot is hurting. Shake off that burden and that dirt in. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Raj Nation Innovations Discover Your Inner Awesome Podcast. My name is Rajiv Nathan, aka the Raj Nation. I am your show's host. I'm the founder of Raj Nation Innovation, a hip hop artist and a yoga instructor. Above all else, I am a storyteller. I am joined by my co host, Victoria Cohen, aka VC Money. Victoria is the voice behind the blog, Almonds and Asana. She is a yoga instructor, a health, wellness, and fitness enthusiast. Above all else, she's an activist. This is Discover Your Inner Awesome, the only show where you get to eavesdrop on conversations with entrepreneurs, startup founders, artists, and musicians about the stories, the journeys, the struggles, but most importantly, the questions. The questions that help creative thinkers like you and I better understand who we are, what we're doing, and how we can do it better. In this episode, we sit down with Kayla Weisberg. Kayla is a venture capitalist and partner at Invest Her Ventures. And we talk about something that's a hot button issue in the tech community today, and quite honestly, a hot button issue overall, and that is gender bias. Specifically, we uncover the question, what is unconscious gender bias? Before we dive into that conversation, I want to extend an invitation. If you're not a member already, join our tribe over at www discoveryourinnerawesome.com enter your email address there and you will never miss another episode of this show every single Monday getting an email in your inbox with the week's episode alright let's dive in now to our conversation with Kayla Weisberg of Invest Her Ventures what is unconscious gender bias let's listen in so I am an early stage venture capitalist uh, that is partner at a fund Invest Her Ventures, and we only invest in the strongest female-led technology companies from coast to coast and everywhere in between. But as far as the topic of unconscious gender bias, it's certainly close to home. Um, so I actually have have a riddle that that might help um, explain this disparity. So uh, how do you feel about riddles? Are you a riddle? Let's, let's riddle it up. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so. A father and a son are in a horrible car crash that kills the dad. The son is rushed to the hospital, and just as he's about to go under the knife, the surgeon says, I can't operate. That boy is my son. Explain. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta think about this one. Well, did either of you oh, think that the surgeon could be the boy's mother? <laughs> yes, yes. As soon as you said that, yes, then it, then it ticked into my head. Yeah, yes. so, you know, I bring up this riddle to mention unconscious gender bias. We all have it on some level or another. And my ask of, of the ecosystem and the tech community is to just start noticing these schemas. Uh, my all-time favorite quality that I've discovered, especially with Chicago investors, is their open mind and inclusive attitude. But it's a hot topic right now, um, especially on on the coast with VCs. And it's so important to cultivate the community, especially the female technology founders in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So that said, the like, and, I, and I like that riddle. And... I've heard it before because you told to me when we got together a month ago, and I've actually asked that to other people since. And what I've found interesting is the the de- the depth to which people will answer and not say the mom. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh-huh. like I've asked people, and they have said, um, <laughs> they've said, oh, it was his stepdad that was <laughs> in the car crash, or the stepdad was the surgeon, mm-hmm. or he has two dads. Yeah, he has two dads. <laughs> his parents are gay. Mm-hmm. Or I heard the ghost of his father descended down on the <laughs> surgeon's do, table. Do anything, do anything. <laughs> I've heard. I've heard the mom had sex with the doctor, <laughs> and the yeah, doctor was the actually other, yeah. his dad. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! And like, and that one was really funny. It's like 
So the mom was brought up, but only in the instance of having an affair and not actually being a doctor in this yeah. case. And I've even asked people in the medical field and they've gotten it wrong, which is like, it's not just to say that this is an issue that it's just like, oh, a bunch of people who think one way don't understand everyone else. It's like, we're all facing it to some degree. Definitely. And I think um, just noticing it is, is the first step in the right direction. And removing these biases is truly going to open up the floodgates of opportunity. And there's a lot of talk right now about some of these issues. And I'm so excited to see a lot of action, especially coming from Chicago. Um, so, you know, the reality is there's an enormous gender gap right now in venture capital funding in the US, female entrepreneurs receive only about 2% of all venture funding, uh, despite owning 38% of the businesses in the country. Mm-hmm. What do you, um, so with that stat, I, and I've, I've become aware of that stat over the last several months. Actually, I think the first time we met is when you mentioned mm-hmm. that stat and I was like, whoa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the, Sort of the counter argument to that or the opposing viewpoint I've heard to that is, well, are enough female founders going out for funding? And is it the fact that they're female or is it that the ventures aren't the right thing? Um, and I know it's not obviously this or that. It's probably both and all depending on the situation. But how do we reconcile the fact that it's like, and I'll give you an example. I don't know if you caught that story on LinkedIn recently of that one woman who posted a status just like venting about how she keeps getting rejected by venture yeah. capitalists. Yeah. And then she's like, and it's ridiculous because some 20 year old with an app will come out and it's just an idea and they'll get funding. I actually ended up getting into a like one-on-one direct message with her. I was like, hey, I'm on your side. Like, I'm curious to know like more about this, et cetera. And she was saying how um, basically, like, it's frustrating. She keeps getting annoyed. She wasn't planning to make a big story out of it or anything. Um, but then, like, I, I learned more about her business. And to me, it sounded like it's probably just not an investable. Like, she, she did, like, a lot in revenue. But it just doesn't sound like a business that makes sense for venture capitalists. Because it was largely built around, like, her own personal brand. Sure. And building a platform around, her, like, an Oprah-like platform. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Oprah's made more money than anyone but it's hard for a v, for a VC to bet on the next Oprah sure. and be like, that's the thing that's going to make mm-hmm. give us our money back 10x or whatever that number is. So where's the line in terms of this is happening because I'm a woman or because I'm black or because I'm Indian or gay or whatever that might be versus I'm not doing the right things, therefore the results aren't happening. That's such a great question. And, you know, I have to say in in the year and a half that I've been a VC, I have I have validated that this is not a pipeline issue. The deals are there. I have my business partner Jerry Conweiler and I together have met with over 425 actively fundraising female tech founders since we began and launched the fund. It is certainly not a pipeline issue. (laughs) And we are deploying capital. We've formally made nine investments. Um, Between 50,000 and 250,000 is our check size. So, you know, our goal is to really create the destination in Chicago for female founders all across the U.S. to um, start having the conversation. And, you know, I think there are certain practical, tactical insights that are big takeaways on the venture side, but also the entrepreneurial side. And, you know, first I'll start from the investor side. VCs must publish the percentage of their funds they invest in women and non-white led startups. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's very important. Just being transparent about it. Yeah, I think... um, they need to create an organization where um, women or minority-led entrepreneurs can um, can speak out and, and um, have conversations rather than hard-charging pitch interactions. And, you know, there needs to be more female and non-white VCs. 
Um, and and with that, I, I do think Chicago is is taking the lead with diversifying not only the venture ecosystem, but um, some of the, the prominent funds are diversifying their portfolio and being transparent with portfolio outcomes. And what we've discovered is the women-led technology companies are scaling faster, mm-hmm. exiting quicker. They're um, proving to have higher valuations. So um, really, you know, that was the inspiration behind starting our fund to really cultivate this and really um, walk the talk as far as putting money to work and really um, sharing, sharing the outcomes. There was an interesting study um, that was just done by the Harvard Business Review on how um, VCs frame questions Mm. to male entrepreneurs and Mm. female entrepreneurs. And I don't know if either of you have have been in interactions where you've pitched to investors, but traditionally the conversation goes, um, let's talk about customers, let's talk about sales, your market projections, your strategy and management, and there was um, there was a very clear differentiation be- between how investors interacted with male entrepreneurs and female entrepreneurs. So um, the VCs were framing promotion questions that focused on potential gains to the male entrepreneurs, whereas um, to the female entrepreneurs, preventation questions. So questions that were uh, Preventative, yeah, Yeah. focusing on potential losses. So, you know, for example, when discussing customer outcomes, a promotion question would be like, how are you acquiring customers? Where a prevention question would be, how many daily and monthly active users do you have? So I think it's really important to notice the, the different questions and for investors to make sure that they're framing questions the same way and how entrepreneurs can really tackle and overcome smoke, sc- smoke screens or potential roadblocks. Yeah, and I go ahead, Victoria. Yeah, no, I was just going to say it's interesting because so I haven't been in that specific situation where I'm pitching to, you know, um, to get investors, but I have had to situations that just like always stick out in my mind from when I was interning and when I was interviewing when I graduated college and like during college. Um, And so I studied engineering. I worked in um, supply chain and during my internship at the end of the summer, I, um, you know, had my like review and it was great. Like, you know, I ended up working for that company full time, um, like down the road. But, you know, all the feedback was really great about my work, whatever, everything great. The one, the one thing was <laughs> my manager was like, you know, I don't think you need to worry about wearing like designer labels or colorful clothes. Like, I think you could pretty much just wear black. Mm-hmm. People will still notice you. You'll still be good. <laughs> I was like, and I was kind of like a little embarrassed, a little like unsure, but like, I knew I wasn't dressing inappropriately, but like, I like to like wear earrings and you know, whatever, yeah. just like be a person who uh-huh. liked my clothes. Like, yeah. have, I don't know. I mean. People say things to Raj about your fun clothes, but like I, I, I very much like down the line looking back on it was like, I don't think he would have said that to a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing was I was intern or I was um, interviewing in between when I finished that internship and when I ended up taking the job there with another um, you know really large company. And I did end up getting a job offer from them. But during one of the one of the interviews, the guy actually said to me, this is a man's world and it is not like a sorority and he kind of was like, how are you going to handle that? And I was like, well, I study engineering and it's pretty much all guys. So I'm pretty used to it. <laughs> yeah. Like, not really that yeah. big of a deal. Um, but again, I don't, I don't, I mean, That's he wouldn't have said that to me. It was so bizarre. And I ended up not taking their offer because I was like, that guy totally turned me off to wanting to work there. Yeah. Well, you know, I've heard, I've heard a lot with all of the deals that I've seen in the past year and a half, you know, a, a chunk of those were certainly not um, B2B enterprise software in like slow moving archaic industries. Some were, some weren't. A lot of them were consumer focused, especially, you know, product services or, you know, technology enabled solutions for women. So I think it's it's difficult when you're a woman and you're trying to fundraise for your product or service that so happens to be a woman. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say you have a tampon company and you're pitching um, a white VC that that is male, um, is he going to do diligence mm-hmm. on the tampon space? Um, just like, you know, I may not be an expert in in 
automotive engineering, but if there was a female founder that pitched me, would I give her the same opportunity Mm -hmm. as I would a tampon company because I know the tampon space. So, you know, I think um, there is uh, major responsibility on um, funds investment philosophies and, you know, investors have their own investment theses, so they may only invest in consumer tech or enterprise tech. So entrepreneurs need to know who to speak to and make sure they're not talking to the wrong investors that may not invest in that product or service. But you know, women and men need to know, um, and, and especially investors need to be really open to learning about new spaces that they may not necessarily be experts in. Mm-hmm. Totally. I think, so that point that you just made, and and there is a line of, well, we just only invest in these kinds of companies, Mm -hmm. or, I mean, you'll see a lot of times on Shark Tank, Mark Cuban will be like, I don't know anything about that. Like, that's really not my industry. It's not my forte, Mm -hmm. so I'm out. And that, like, that's okay, right? Of course. and, and, and And I say that more in the sense of, like, use the tampon example. Is it okay for a man to be like, I, I know nothing about this and I'm not going to really be... Well, there's a difference of saying there's, I know nothing about it. Like if they were already, you know, in the CPG industry or something or, or you know, other sort of something that's like related to it to say, oh, I don't know about that specifically than if they were totally geared towards automotive and someone came in for tampons. Sure. I think that's what your point I is, think, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's plenty of funds that are industry agnostic, mm-hmm. um, you know, Invest Her, for example, is industry agnostic. We we don't specialize in healthcare, so you won't see any healthcare-oriented companies within our portfolio. But um, you know, if if there is a tech component with a really small, uh, with with a really large market size and really strong female founder with a, a revenue. Uh, generated mindset I think you know we will consider the deal and we will do our best to seek out experts in the area now my business partner and I are running a micro fund so mm-hmm. you know the two of us aren't experts in everything frankly we're, we're you know we're experts in sales and business development but we do have a Rolodex so mm-hmm. we're going to do everything in our power to solicit feedback from um, people within our network to mm-hmm. see where we can add value um, but most importantly how we can make introductions and help that entrepreneur um, find the right capital outlet. Yeah. So that kind of kind of goes into the point that, you know, whether it's the capital raise or even other scenarios, and you mentioned at the beginning the idea of how, like, there's more bias on the coasts, it appears, than in the Midwest. Um, knowing the right pond to be fishing in can greatly accelerate your own mission and your goals and things mm-hmm. like that. Like, I remember... Gary Vaynerchuk, who I'm not like a huge fan of, mm-hmm. but I like some of his mm-hmm. videos. He was he had some video and he was like, "You want to start a pot startup in Texas?" Like, <laughs> like because someone had written in about like right. how he's getting running and all this. It's right. like, like, why know the your fuck audience. would you move to Colorado <laughs> yeah. if you want to start a pot startup? Like, Texas isn't going to change their law forever. Yeah. It's the most conservative state in the country. Yeah. So don't complain. Like, move yourself to the to where you right. need to be. Businesses. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we talked about some best practices, things to do, but you know, we can also talk about what not to do. And you know, the reality is you don't want to forget about your business and you know, you don't want to waste your time talking to the wrong investors. You don't want to, you know, fundraise just because you you think everyone around you right. is fundraising. <laughs> um, you don't want to forget about your numbers. You don't want to forget about your industry. Uh, don't start with the risks. Start with the opportunity. And, you know, don't forget at the end of the day what your outcome is and, and what it's all about. And um, I think it's so important to remember um, when you're an entrepreneur, if you don't execute, you die. Mm-hmm. Your business dies. And while I had mentioned, I think there's major opportunity in Chicago and in the greater Midwest, I have to say there needs to be more exits Mm. in the Midwest, and especially with female-led technology companies. So I think uh, there's going to be, uh, there's major pressure and my call to action to the, my community of women-led companies is um, we need to scale, we need to be transparent, we need to band together, but most importantly, we need exits. And that's really when I think um, the greater community is going to 
really take note and, and start proactively diversifying their portfolios when we have more strong outcomes, especially in Chicago, led by women. Yeah. A couple other things that, that that sort of came to mind too, and like with that riddle that you said at the beginning, and mm-hmm. I've kind of been like playing it through my head. So the first thing is that both of my parents are entrepreneurs. They have been my entire life, but I always talk about like the stuff my dad has worked on and stuff that my, like that my dad has done. And I, because I feel like he, um, he talks about it a lot, you know, and he puts it out there and like, I'm an entrepreneur or whatever. Like, that's just kind of how it is. Whereas I feel like my mom has been an equally successful entrepreneur doing totally different things. And I think I kind of, I often forget that because not that she downplays it, but she, but kind of, mm-hmm. and it's just I, like, it's a funny thing that like yeah. they both are, they both always have been their own bosses. They've both been successful in some things and not in other, you know, and they've, they've both had these like very long careers. They, they will be entrepreneurs till the day they die. Like they'll never stop. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, like my dad's the one I think of, whereas like my mom, my mom is too. So it's, sure. that's kind of a funny thing. Um, and then the, the other thing is, and I don't know if I've mentioned this on here before, but so I worked for Pepsi. Um, and when I entered with them, we had the opportunity to sit down with a bunch of, like we had like lunch and learns with like a ton of the leadership, including our CEO, Indranui. And when we spoke with her, a big piece of what she talked about in terms of her career, she has two kids. She was like, you know, work has always come first. If I had to have an assistant go to my kid's recital, I did it. And, you know, like basically my family came second. And that's kind of like the storyline she had to put out there and she had to live by and she had to tell. We had lunch like a week or two, you know, before or after that with the guy who was um, at the time like running Frito-Lay. And he was the complete opposite. He was like, my kids always come first. If I have to miss a, you know, an important meeting for my kids kindergarten graduation, I'll do it. And that's always stuck with me as like such an interesting like, you know, um, dichotomy that the woman has to say work comes first, because if she doesn't, people kind of judge that. They're like, oh, well, she's not really, you know, she's not here. She's like focused on home. And if the guy doesn't say that, then he kind of sounds like a jerk, you know, that like, oh, he's, he's spending time with his family. And so it's just interesting, like whether or not it's true or, or it's true for everyone, I don't know, but it was just two very different stories that these very successful people had to kind of put out there because that's what they had to show, you know? Absolutely. I think women often underestimate their value. Um, I see it all the time in my speaking engagements and my teaching engagements with my portfolio companies. Um, And, you know, that's why it's our responsibility to quantify Mm -hmm. these issues. Um, And I have to say women are the pace setters. There are nine million privately held American companies led by women, which is which wow. is major. Seven point eight million people um, are employed, you know, responsible for these companies, and they're generating almost one point four trillion dollars in gross sales revenue. Wow. So you look at the numbers, and you know, and the proof is in the pudding. Women are actually taking the lead. Um, this is not a second-class community, um, and you know, as I mentioned, the fact that there are almost forty percent of new entrepreneurs in the U.S. that are women. This is the highest percentage since nineteen ninety-six. So um, celebrating the victories are huge, but also, you know, we don't have much to celebrate right now as far as exits in Chicago. So I think, you know, with that, there is that call to action that I had mentioned, but also um, really understanding what is going on from a a granular level and from a behavioral level. I think I noticed with with women is um, the sense of urgency, as far as uh, tenacity with reaching out and asking for help. Um, you know, I only look at women-led companies, but you know, in talking to my co-investors, I think um, women have a harder time um, following up. And um, it, oh, they think it, they're being annoying. They think they're being annoying <laughs> when um, we spend a lot of our time and really ingrained within my fund's DNA is creating a sense of urgency and really controlling your destiny as far as outcome. So um, proactively uh, asking for a meeting with potential investors instead of you know connecting with them you know maybe saying an email it's great to meet you let's keep in touch well 
What do I say? How do I keep in touch? So we offer best practices. I think one thing for women to recognize is, um, you know, when when they hear no, no to what? Mm. Um, what what I always say is, it's not um, a no. It's a not right now or a maybe. Mm-hmm. So hear no three times and consider it a no. But the first time and the second time, consider it a not right now or a maybe. Mm-hmm. And um, ask for referrals. I think mm-hmm. that's so important. If you meet with an investor and you're an entrepreneur actively fundraising, um, is that meeting a quick coffee or is that a meeting uh, where your goal and expected outcome is a, a pitch with the partners? Um, are you, if it's not a great fit for their fund, are you asking that investor who may be a great fit to talk to? Um, are you asking for help? Are you asking for introductions? And I think going that extra mile um, is harder for women mm-hmm. to ask for help and to also um, hear no and, and really reframe that to take control of your destiny. Let's pause for a hot minute for this quick PSA. Are you part of the startup community? If so, keep listening. If not, go ahead and hit the skip ahead button because this is not going to apply to you. The Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast is a property of Raj Nation Innovation. What is Raj Nation Innovation? Well, it's simple. I talk to founders and startup teams every day who flat out tell me, hey, we suck at telling our story. I help remove the suck. Combining a unique background of both branding expertise as well as songwriting expertise from my experience as a hip-hop artist, I take a performance lens and mindset to the world of business communication. Using this approach, I partner with growth-focused startups to help them develop their story, their go-to-market message, and their pitch so they can raise venture capital and acquire their early customers. Think of me like the Will Smith character Hitch, but for startups. And yes, I will tell you when you're dancing like an idiot. Does this sound like a conversation we should have? If so, head to www.rajnationinnovation.com. That's R-A-J Nation Innovation.com. Send me a message through there and let's chat. Back now to the podcast. So, okay, so that brings me to, I want to have spend a little bit of time talking about the wage gap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, my, and based on the stuff you just said, my like you know I think at face value you can say okay what is it like 70 cents on the dollar mm-hmm. is what women make compared to men um, the thought I've always had to that is well and I think this has been tied into that is like women not all but the general idea is that women are less likely to ask for more money therefore get paid less so if I'm an employer and I'm looking at this more in the sense of like, like if someone's willing to not to, not to work for less, mm-hmm. should I really go out of my way to pay them more? Yeah. If they're if they haven't like negotiated with me, whereas like you know say, a man is more used to being aggressive and being like, no, nope, this is what my value is, etc. And Kayla, you mentioned before, like there's mm-hmm. a lot of women who underestimate mm-hmm. their values. So mm-hmm. if a man's more hard charging about their value, it's like, well, crap, this talent is really good. Yeah. We're going to lose him if we don't pay him, you know, that much versus the woman in that same scenario who's like, hey, I'd like to make this much. Sorry, we can't do that. Okay. Now, we can say, okay, 70 cents on the dollar, but is it just as black and white as women make less, men make more, is there more psychology thrown into it where like, we need to put more education into women to be like, stand up for yourself in these in these environments and ask for more and take more ownership over the fact that, you know, you can make more. I think this is a fundamental issue um, that, you know, placing the blame on women for not uh, maybe being masters in the art of negotiation. The, fundal, the fundamental issue here is um, the, the wage discrepancy. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the ownership needs to be on the employer um, versus the employee, regardless of what the employee looks like. There should be zero tolerance for, um, for any type of discrimination, especially in that capacity. And that's just my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, but with that being said, um, there are professional challenges that women globally experience. 
And I think um, this has to do with mentors and role models that look like the individual that, you know, help train and, um, and you know, help um, provide sufficient opportunity through introductions and through um through balancing professional and personal lives. I think, you know, there are several challenges that women face when it comes to skills and opportunity and balance. Um, So, you know, having role models and superiors that have gone through those challenges to help, you know, provide uh, a hand and guidance as that woman um, continues to advance throughout her career is really important. But again, you know, again, it's our responsibility to, really change the ecosystem. So with that, I encourage every woman to build their own personal board of directors. So it's it's your responsibility um, personally to find experts across industries that help make you better, that have a proven track record and to help guide you and mentor you along the way, um, that don't work for your company, you know, that, that again, are experts in in tech, experts in negotiation, experts in, you know, home life, home balance, experts in money management. I think, you know, the only way is, is to get diverse feedback from people around you. But again, you have to seek it out. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, there's so many, you know, there's so many, um, I don't want to say obstacles, but the system is set up in a way that currently isn't conducive to women being in certain types of roles that men are in with like the same expectations. So like you hear about other countries, I think, I don't know, I was reading recently, maybe in the Netherlands that like have a lot of companies that are doing, you know, like women working corporate jobs, but they're like part-time corporate jobs or they're job share type things because it's not, there's, there's, we're never going to change the fact that a woman carries a baby and she's going to need to recover from that. And then she's going to need to breastfeed it. Like there's certain physical things that like a, like a woman and a man who want to have a family or whatever, like that a, that a woman's going to physically just have to do that are going to make it harder for her to do that job for a certain amount of time, maybe forever, whatever. But I think that we, in, in this country, I don't think we're doing a very good job of making jobs approachable for women who have children or who are starting families or have families and making it so that like they can come to work but they can also have the flexibility to leave when they need to to take the time off when they need to and or even giving that same opportunity to men that are husbands and saying Here's paternity leave, you know, all of those Google sort of does things. A good job of that. Yeah, no, I mean, no, no. There are certainly companies that are. But everyone else, I think, could, are, could get up to their standards. There are certainly <laughs> companies that are, and I think if like it's only going to get better, hopefully, moving forward. But I do think that that's something that's that's really that's really tough. So to that point, and to go back to when you mentioned the woman at Pepsi who mm-hmm. was like, "Family comes second. Mm-hmm. How did you it. emotionally receive that? Because I know I have heard a couple women say that before. And I've had to check myself and be like, oh, that's weird. Wait, no, no, that shouldn't be weird. Because if a man said that same thing, I wouldn't care. I'd be like, that's fine. He's a father. But when I hear a mother say that, I, I have to check myself and be like, oh. I mean, I think for everyone, there's probably different phases of your life when different things are priorities. Sometimes work is number one. Sometimes family's number one. Whatever. It probably changes all the time. If you've got something fluid. I don't remember what I felt in that exact moment. It's more something that I've like looked back on over time and just like juxtaposing those two of him mm-hmm. saying one and her saying the mm-hmm. other. It's always just been a like, gosh, that felt like they had to say those things because mm-hmm. they knew how the room was reading them or how they would be taking it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and, and you know, how you're read and that kind of stuff. You mentioned that performance review where they were like you shouldn't wear these colors i always when i thought or it was i should funny, just wear black which is ironic because now i'm a yoga teacher and i do wear black <laughs> so. do you remember though during the election last year the the, the, the day elizabeth warren endorsed hillary clinton mm-hmm. and they were on that like podium I platform mean, and they both wore like the same blue dress mm-hmm. pretty much and people were like people made all these comments about how they're wearing the same outfit Yet no one has ever talked about how every man wears the exact same suit. They just have to maybe change their tie. I mean, or just going, yeah, I'm just going out here and saying if Hillary had three kids by three different men, 
There is oh, no, no way. Yeah. No way that would have just slipped under the radar. Exactly. If she had three yeah. baby daddies, yeah. no way would she gotten gotten away with that. And like no one cares that he has three baby mamas. So, you know, seriously. <laughs> yeah. I think there's so much more awareness um, now more more than ever on unconscious gender bias and we hear it every day especially with politics, but it's definitely bleeding into corporate America. It's bleeding into financial services. And uh, we we are noticing it. We're talking about it. And action needs to be made. But again, I think the conversation needs to happen for action to happen. And I so um, appreciate and admire all of the courageous women that are speaking out about, um, you know, these um these things that are happening that are completely inappropriate and unethical and unprofessional that's really limiting um, the, the opportunity. Yeah, and I think too, it's, it's not just that the conversation is happening, it's that on a micro level individuals, we all need to just take that extra half second and be like, what lens am I looking at this mm-hmm. through, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like even, like I know I've had times before where I have either observed, and I feel like I'm much better at it now than when I was a little bit younger, but um, you'll see like a powerful woman, maybe like an interaction with a powerful woman, and your first thought might be like, oh, she's kind of bossy, mm-hmm. or, or the extreme, or be she's like, a oh, bitch. she's a bitch. Right? Yes, there's right, a lot right, of that. Right. But only because, it's like, but if that was a man, would you have that same reaction where you say, oh, he's a strong leader. He's a boss. Right, he's a boss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and those are the little things. Like, I, man, again, like I'm much better at now than I used to be. And I, but, I, but I've observed people still who are like, yeah, I don't know, she's just kind of like bossy or whatever they'll say, whatever word they want to use. And then I'll have to be like, okay, but do you know any men who are exactly like that? <laughs> and then they're like, oh, I guess so. So it's just those little, and it's, it's almost like, Taking it upon yourself, not only to check yourself, but if you see someone else, like throw a throw an opposing viewpoint in their ways to make them think about it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you go on. Yeah, I think especially um, in in the startup world. I, look, I'm I'm an investor, and the beauty of what I do is I literally bank on people's dreams. <laughs> right? I mean, think <laughs> about yeah. it. I literally bank on people's dreams. I'm the, the nature of VC is telling the future and I am not a fortune teller. So what do I have to look at? I look at the fundamental pieces of the business. I look at potential customers. I look at acquisition strategy. I look at the market size. I look at the price of the deal. I look at you know the team dynamic and, and how the key players work with one another. I have conversations with prospective customers and I do everything I can to help. Um, but you know, we need to think about um, what we're banking on. Are we banking on the personality and, and maybe the vibe that we get with the entrepreneur because we have a lot of similarities? Or are we banking on the opportunity? Um, and the reality is big impressive outcomes um, come with big impressive customer experiences and you know big impressive numbers thereafter come to fruition so um, we have to look at the technology potential and I think there's so much noise of creating disruptive technology um, and there's a lot of distracting things I think you know this this gender issue can create a lot of noise when at the end of the day as, as an investor you have to look at what matters most does the product work do customers love it and I think we all need to keep in mind mm-hmm. what that end goal is and also be really conscious of the types of questions that we're asking. So, you know, I mentioned, you know, questions on customers, but, you know, sales is so crucial and many entrepreneurs um, are pre-product, pre-revenue. So, you know, as an investor, you're going to think, how are you going to plan to monetize, right? And, you know, as an investor, instead of asking, how long will it take you to break even, ask about, you know, how you think your target market is growing and what major milestones you're targeting to hit this year, instead of uh, detractor questions like, future cash flows and how predictable they they might be or you know 
how you're planning to test it. Think about the opportunity and, and really the vision, the impact, the mission, and most importantly, what the forecasted goals are. Yeah. No, I, I do think it's interesting, Raj, getting back to your point of like when you were sort of asking the question, like, is it, is there part of it being that women need to be whether you want to call it educated or there needs to be a shift in like the female mindset too, right? Like of either saying that like we can be more confident, we can ask for more or, you know, whatever it is. I think, I think that's a big part of it because like, okay. So for example, I was recently with a friend of mine who, um, she, she works, um, for a big bank and she, you know, she's a go-getter. She's like moved her way up and, um, you know, she supports herself and she doesn't have a boyfriend and, you know, she's like, mm-hmm. whatever. She's a, she's Powerful a working gal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she was telling me, um, she was telling me how she had been recently asked, you know, what, like oh, so many big companies, it's like, you also have to do like extracurricular things, right? You have to be like on all these, like whatever committees and stuff and she was like and I they recently asked me to give a talk to this like women's group or whatever in her company so she did and then all these girls were coming up to her and they were like hey like would love to get coffee like you know you inspire me and like you know go women whatever and she said to me um and I'm like really I'm like totally a feminist so I thought this was a little (laughs) bit funny but you know whatever has her own view she was like but you know me I'm like not this is what she was saying. She was like, I'm not a feminist. I don't believe in like, you know, all that women stuff. Like I, I got myself here, you know, that whole thing. And I was just like, uh, it was at like, it was at like midnight and the night was about to end. And I was like, I'm not even going there. Like it doesn't even (laughs) matter, whatever. And I think the part that like breaks my heart about that is that I think sometimes, and and men are a part of it too. Like they've got to be educated in the same way. But I think sometimes like we hurt ourselves and we hurt each other by like making those judgments or, or trying to try, not like trying to be too strong, but not acknowledging that it does exist. It's a real thing. It exists. Gender bias exists. Like let's just like, Mm -hmm. that's just got to be accepted, you know, and saying like, oh, well I got here and whatever. But you know how many other women paved the way for you to get there, to even be able to wear pants to work? <laughs> I mean, seriously yeah, though, yeah, like, I mean, yeah. do you know how many women sure. came before you to fight that fight Absolutely. To, to, so that you can have a job, you can own your own car, you can own your own apartment, you are your own legal entity, you don't belong to someone else. Um, and so I think it's just even starting like probably so small and just acknowledging the fact that it does exist, it's a reality. And we all need to be educated on it, but like especially women, so that we we don't have women out there that are like, no, no, not a real thing. Like I don't believe in feminism. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't help. Yeah. You know? I, I think that's such a great point. Um, it is to think about how we got here, mm-hmm. and uh, Jerry and I wanted to really lead by example to begin changing the face of what venture capital looks like. Um, But the ultimate goal isn't to, um, as women stand in these silos and operate in these silos, no way. Like the amount of speaking engagements I do, panels that I do where, you know, it's with a female audience talking about female issues with an all female panel, that's not going to change anything. Again, it starts the conversation. Yeah. And it, it creates a, a destination so that women can uh, advocate for one another and learn how to stick up for themselves and, and learn how to really conquer barriers and overcome smoke screens. But more men need to be involved in, in these conversations yep. and more men need to speak out about unconscious gender bias. Right. You know, we're talking about this and, and I'm a, a female that runs a, a female-focused sure. venture capital fund. Um, you know, it would be incredible for um, men to begin taking the charge, um, which they really are. And, and I'm, I'm thrilled to see um, mm-hmm. some funds really standing up um, that are run by men that are, that are saying, look, um, we don't have any female-led tech companies within our portfolio. Send me the deal flow. Um, so, oh, that's cool. So it's yeah. great. You know, like I'm seeing so much um, calibration, especially in Chicago. You know, there are incredible funds like Math Venture Partners, um, you know, with Dana Wright as an equal partner and Samara Meha Hernandez, who is um, is also there really championing these issues. You know, the Pritzker Group has um, women partners and VPs. So it's, it's incredible to see these these larger prominent funds in Chicago um, really 
champion championing this and it's not um, just the women there that are championing this it's it's the male partners that are um, that are standing up next to the women yep. to really discuss this but we need to see more men at these events that are uh, female focused talking about these issues and and more men leading by really writing checks and and helping companies scale that aren't necessarily led by people that look or act like them yeah I've, I've talked with guys who are like you know and having these like political I, I'm very political so I often have like political conversations with people and and guys were like yeah yeah sure like I'm a feminist too like what can I you know like what can I do like what should I be doing about it it's like anything do anything (laughs) just tell people you're a feminist I don't know but I mean there is so much that guys can do to like stand alongside women and not just act like oh well you'll figure it out (laughs) you know well and I think part of it comes in finding the right forums and platforms for yourself either to create for yourself or to go to. I mean, I, I'll tell you, I can't tell you the number of times people have told me with this specific show, they'll be like, I could never have that conversation. And I'm like, you know what? This show is about having that conversation, mm-hmm. whether mm-hmm. I necessarily feel totally comfortable about it or not. Right. But it's not about my comfort. The whole point is like, let's step into our discomfort and actually learn and, yeah. and grow. Yeah. And it's it's understanding that to, to have this discourse is dialogue. Like you mentioned, Kayla, it's got to be talking on both sides, right? Because if it's just on, it's literally, if it's, if it's just women talking about it, it's, you've got women with their backs turned shouting in, in the opposite direction that the men are facing, mm-hmm. which is why it's like, men need to turn around and look, women need to turn around and look and talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's like, ha- like, figure out if there isn't a platform you can go to, create one for yourself. Yeah. Uh, if it's an issue you care about or just start to incorporate it into your practices already. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, especially in the tech community, you look at 1871 and I'm so thrilled to say that that we have a program partnership with Wisdom, which is uh, a cohort just for female tech founders. And, yeah. And you know, to I, elaborate, the abbreviate or the acronym stands for women in STEM. Yeah. And um, the last demo day for the last cohort, I was so impressed. Howard Tolman, who I completely admire, um, came up in front of the audience and and talked about these gender issues and why it's so important to have the wisdom program and it's so important to really create a destination and a working place that provides resources and non-threatening feedback like 1871 and you know you walk around and there's a lactation room there you know and they talk about it and I think you know someone like like that to step up um, who's really leading the charge creating this destination is going to create a far more inclusive ecosystem yeah what um well that's actually a good segue now into let's talk a little bit more about invest her specifically which we've, we've been touching on up to this point but um you know for our listeners it's a venture capital fund. You've talked about it, how it's focused on women-led startups. But I, I know it's even it's beyond that. So what I was know though, why investor is more than just investing in women-led startups. Mm-hmm. Um, we're definitely not just a check in on a round. We um, do our best to be able to be the point person and be the advocate, especially in a sales and business development strategic and tactical lens. So... Um, we evaluate deals differently because it's all with a revenue mindset. So we look at where a company is from a three-prong approach. We look at where the company is before they generate revenue, where they are when they begin the sales process, and then how they're continuing to cultivate relationships with their customers, whether it's on an enterprise level and an account management capacity, or you know a lifetime value individual B2C model. So um, as I had mentioned, we're industry agnostic, we're geographically unlimited. Um, we've invested in companies um, that are raising seed rounds and series A rounds, but um, just breaking into VC, you know, only being a year and a half old at this point, we are recognizing how different um, rounds can be structured geographically. So um, we are so proud to say that we have seven companies in our portfolio that are based here in Chicago. Um, 
and we're definitely looking to um, continue to write checks in companies outside of Chicago. But again, everything at the end of the day is around your customer acquisition strategy. And we like to, to add value where we can. And we certainly know what we don't know. So um, if we don't know how to solve a problem or we can't roll up our sleeves and help, we do our best to make introductions and also um, down the line help diversify board dynamics. So it's not just about the first check in, you know, down the line when you have a board of directors, who's sitting on the board? <laughs> Are they men? Are they women? And, and what do they represent? Do you have independent investors? Are all of your board members um, investors or excuse me, independent board members. So what can we do to make the introductions and um, to really help move the needle from an activation standpoint to really create scalability? Nice. Uh, my follow-up question to that is, so knowing that you invest only in women-owned startups, or at least partially women-owned startups, um, how do you, like, you don't want to obviously run into the situation of like someone being like, wait, you invest in women-led startups? Why are you turning me down? Like, what the heck? You're supposed to be four women. Because like, looking at the numbers game, you have to pass on more companies than you say yes to, right? Just because if you said yes to everyone, then you wouldn't have a fund. Right. <laughs> so what's your kind of your message to that person who's like, well, wait, they're, they're investing in women. Like, I, then it's an automatic yes. Oh, it, definitely. I mean, um, we do have a thesis, and the thesis again, you know, focuses on um, sales and revenue generation, and really where we can add the most value. Um, also, if the round makes sense for us, where we can come in, um, if there's a lead investor secured. So we're not at the point where we draft term sheets. So there has to be an investor that actually drafts the term sheet and, and will partner with that fund so that we can go in on the deal and close out the round. Um, now, that may mean we'll help make introductions to some of our co-investors that might really add value. But just to clarify, um, the companies that we invest in aren't um, all run by by women. There needs to be at least one woman on the executive team with equity interests. So some of um, some of the most successful companies have diverse executive teams. So um, the woman may be the co-founder, but she may be the CTO or the CMO or the COO, not necessarily the CEO. Um, but we we focus on on the companies with that um, that diverse executive team. And again, when I say diverse, it's not just um, gender diversity. I think it's important to find the yin to your yang from a co-founder dynamic, whether you know I'm a woman and I do have a business partner who's who's a woman. Jerry and she and I are very different, but we complement one another and we're able to really recognize what we know and what we don't know. And so, you know, the companies that we look for have a really strong dynamic within the executive team. Um, you know, to use the analogy of Thanksgiving, if everyone came to Thanksgiving dinner, tasked with bringing the turkey you'll have a whole lot of turkey <laughs> you know like you bring the turkey you bring the stuffing yeah. you bring the potatoes and you have a great thanksgiving dinner so you have to really pull in the forces and and find people with complementary skill sets to help that end outcome man or woman what advice do you have to founders going into their capital raises there is no prescriptive guaranteed way to be successful. You are your first investor. And I think it's so important to control your destiny, but recognize that success may look like bootstrapping along the way, but it also may look like finding the right strategic partners that may or may not be investors. So, um, you know, and also, the technology isn't necessarily going to be the one trick pony. There's something really special about talent, service, and process that can create an outcome that's remarkable. Awesome. All right, where can our listeners uh, learn more about Investor and if they want to get in touch with you? Um, InvestHerVentures.com. So invest, H-E-R, Ventures.com. Um, 
You can find me on Twitter at Kayla Weisberg. You can email me at Kayla, C-A-Y-L-A, at investherventures.com. Awesome. So let's wrap it up then. Uh, we'll close by giving our answer to today's question. We'll go one by one. We'll start with Victoria and close with Kayla. Let's do this. So the question was, what is unconscious gender bias? Let's do answer what is unconscious gender bias, but also on top of that, let's add in um, how do we confront or address the bias? Okay, I think that unconscious gender bias is basically answering the same question differently depending on if it's a man or a woman. And maybe, maybe it's a little question, big question. I think that's just kind of how you can boil it down. Like, would I answer this the same way for him versus her, right? So that's kind of how I see gender bias. In terms of what I, how I think you can confront it, one, acknowledging that it exists and just like <laughs> accepting that. Um, and then two, I think in each situation where you find yourself answering a critical or maybe not even a critical question, differently if it's a man or a woman checking yourself kind of like you mentioned Raj and saying well wait a minute on the flip side if I was having the same discussion about a guy would I be saying the same thing you know or vice versa about a woman so I think it's just becoming really conscious about how we answer those questions differently depending on someone's gender my answer what is unconscious gender bias I think it is the any inherent notion that you have what you have or don't have what you don't have because of your, basically, your physiological status. Mm -hmm. uh, and basically not knowing that that's the reason why you may have an advantage over another person or have a disadvantage uh, from another person. I think a way to confront it, I'll, I'll take a different approach to this. And it's actually, it's one of the things I do with some of the startups that I work with who are women-led. Um, whether I say it outright or I just weave it in based on my like way of working with them and my line of questioning is I will basically try and put them in a lens of like if, if they so for instance like, let's say we're working through the FAQ um, and they're like well we can't really say that that's bragging too much and I'm like and it's not lying I'm not trying to tell them to lie but I'll be like either I'll outright say it or I'll weave it in but I'm basically trying to get to the point of do you think a man would say the same thing in this scenario? Because I want you to get to the point, I want you to get up to that point where it's, you're not like accidentally holding yourself back and you're putting your best foot forward here. Um, and I don't say that today like, oh, men are amazing. It's more like, I say that to be like, there are these little things we talked about before, like underestimating the value, that kind of stuff. And let's be aware of that so we can actually represent this company in the best way possible. Um, so that the best outcomes can happen. Awesome. Unconscious gender bias to me is blind judgment. It's literally covering your eyes and not watching your feet when you're interacting with someone that doesn't look like you. And the best way to overcome it um, is, especially if you're a woman in the tech community, is to create your own destiny by by putting yourself in uncomfortable situations stretching yourself every single day now putting yourself in uncomfortable situations with men that that <laughs> right, are, right. are known to um, maybe have unconscious gender bias but but when I say putting yourself in uncomfortable situations is you know asking why not um, asking for introductions um, really stretching yourself from an access standpoint so getting access to capital and access to resources are two hard things for women entrepreneurs so with that expanding your own personal rolodex by building your own personal board of directors of people that have done it before and stretching yourself by creating goals every single day and trying to conquer those goals by daily affirmations and also touch points with your personal board of directors yeah. and i would even add to that you said ask why not i would say for on the man side of things what we need to ask is why in the sense of like why am i thinking this way why am i talking like this acting like this etc and then we get more of that conversation happening mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Kayla Weisberg, this was fun. I'm glad, I'm glad we got through this without any scars. <laughs> yeah, this was awesome. That wrapped up our conversation with Kayla Weisberg. Kayla, thank you so much for joining us and unpacking that topic with us. 
I learned a lot. I'm glad we could all share our perspectives and learn from each other. I think the larger community can learn a lot from this conversation as well. Speaking of the larger community, did you, the listener, enjoy this episode? If so, the best compliment you can give us is a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews help more people find the show, therefore more people get to discover their inner awesome. While you're leaving that review, go ahead and subscribe to the show on whatever platform it is you listen to, whether that is iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, or the various other podcasting platforms in which you can find this show. For full show notes, references, and resources, as well as Kayla's contact information, grab it all at our website, www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com. While you're there, be sure to page through our almost 100-episode archive. That's right, we are closing in on 100 episodes of the show. I can't believe it. That'll tie a bow on this one. Thank you again to Kayla Weisberg for joining us. For Victoria Cohen, I am Raj Nation. You have been listening to the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. We will see you next time. But in the meantime, take care and be awesome today.